You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me, as this week we've been going through the books Hosea, Joel, and Amos. Yes, the first three books of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And so as we dive in today, we want to ask the question, how can we share these texts evangelistically? How can we point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ? In order to do this, I want to take you to the book of Amos, uh, primarily right now, Amos chapter 5, and lay out for you what I believe is, is the heart of Amos in this, and specifically as a prophet called, uh, he, he was not a prophet by trade, he was not the son of a prophet, he'll share that in, uh, in the midst of his book, uh, but he simply was called by God to preach to the people. And we see three main aspects of Amos. First, I want you to see his covenant compassion. Notice his heart as a prophet for God's people. He tells them in Amos chapter 5, verse 14, Seek good and not evil that you may live. He says that in Amos 5, verse 14. He says it in Amos 5, verse 6. He's reminding them, my heart for you is that you would live. Same thing Jesus would then say uh, in John chapter 10, I came to give you life and for you to have life more abundantly. The problem, though, that we see is that many times when pastors, preachers, evangelists are, uh, are sharing the gospel, many times they do it simply to put a check uh, on the board, add a number, add a notch in their belt, whatever uh, whatever you may think of, is that many times the evangelists or the leaders don't care about the people. Well, Amos has a care for the people, and he's he's a shepherd, so he knows what it means to be, the, to, to have the heart of a shepherd. Um, he was among the sheep herders, as we find in chapter 1, verse 1, and a shepherd was used to, uh, to, to caring and tending for the flock. Uh, in, in fact, he's going to, uh, in chapter 1 and 2, as you've read, he's going to indict uh, the, the different nations and talk about transgressions. And because he had truly a heart for the people, he had to be honest with them. He had to be real with them. And, and, and these are tough sayings. These are tough words. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring now that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. So there is a covenant compassion here that the prophet has, not only for the people of God, but for God himself. I want you to see that, that the reason he could love the people enough to be honest with them is because he loved God and loved God's glory uh, more than anything. So there's a covenant compassion. He tells them in chapter 4, verse 12, Therefore thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. A true prophet, preacher, evangelist, teacher, whatever word you want to use, has a heart for the people of God to meet with God. So there's covenant compassion. There's also courage in persecution. Now, you're reading through this text, and I want you to see that they came against Amos, just like other prophets in the Old Testament. But look, go, go to Amos chapter 7 with me, and look at verse 10. 
It says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent word to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. Uh, so he, he, they, they lied and said that he conspired against the king. And then it says, uh, the land is unable to endure all his words. There, there's a lie again. They're coming against him saying that the land is, uh, is, is not able to, to put up with, in, in another word, uh, put up with what uh, Amos is saying. So they're, they're coming against him. And then, uh, look at this, it says, uh, but in verse 13, but no longer prophesy at Bethel, for it is a sanctuary of the king and a, of a royal residence. And Amos responds and says, Look, I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, for I am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. And, uh, and, and so they're coming against Amos because he was showing them that there's false worship and false leadership, and Amos is turning that upside down. Uh, and, and they don't like that. So Amos had to trust in the Lord and the call upon his own life. Uh, he had courage in the midst of persecution, the, the lies that were being said about him. Every, uh, every Christian today uh, must understand that the life of a Christian results in persecution. Uh, we, we may not endure the persecution that others have endured, but persecution will come. There will be people that turn away from us and try to harm us. Uh, and so we must have compassion for God or, or, or covenant compassion for God's people because we have a, uh, a heart for his glory. We must have courage in persecution. But if we're going to preach evangelistically, then we must have conviction in the message, conviction in our preaching. And uh, the message of Amos was a message of famine, of hearing. In chapter 8, verse 11, he, he says, Behold, days are coming when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. And so Amos has to preach that and say, Hey, people are not going to listen. But then he also says there's going to be a restoration. Look at chapter 9, verse 11. In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David, and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Uh, I love this. He says, I will restore my people, the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities. We've talked about that in the theological truths uh, earlier this week, that God gives mercy. And there are going to be some times when you preach, when you share the gospel, that you have to be uh, have a conviction that what you're saying is truth. Uh, you're going to say some things that aren't easy to listen to. You don't make a lot of friends when you say, hey, you're wretched, sinful creatures without Christ. But you provide for them the hope of the gospel that in Christ we are now saints of the living God, no longer wretched, sinful creatures. We are now sons and daughters of God. So what does this mean for us? Well, the same thing it meant for Amos. Stay close to God. Um, first and foremost, Amos had to lean on God. Um, I, I, I love this. Uh, over and over and over, he's going to, uh, to keep calling out and saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is his declaration. Um, uh, in the first three chapters, he, he'll, he'll use that phrase, declares the Lord. Stay close to God and, and submit to his word. 
preach the word of God. I don't bring anything to you week after week, day after day, other than the very word of God. I can't bring my opinion. I'm not that good. I can't bring, uh, you know, uh, funny sayings. I, I can't bring even what's going on in the world today. Uh, I simply bring you the word of God because the word of God is good enough. The word of God is is sufficient in and of itself to show us. Uh, truth and 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 to point us to Christ. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we lean on that. Stay close to God, humble uh, as, as ministers of the gospel. Stay submitted to His Word. Do what He has said. Obey Him. And then stay focused on the mission. How many times must Amos and, and go even to Joel and Hosea. How many times must they have said, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to follow in this. And yet you have a decision to make whether you're going to follow him or not. As we've talked about this week, Joel chapter 3 verse 14 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. And you have a decision to make. Are you going to live in covenant compassion where because of the compassion of God towards us, we are now loving his people enough, uh, loving the world enough, uh, in that sense, to preach the gospel. Courage in persecution. That no matter what comes against us, no matter what people say against you, you speak truth. And then conviction in preaching. That truth can change lives around us. So as we close out this episode of the uh, the Minor Prophets, I want to take today as Throwback Thursday and look at a moment in church history. And this is probably one of the most important moments that ever took place in church history, the beginning of what we know as the Protestant Reformation in 1517 when Martin Luther posted the 95 Thesis uh, on the door at Wittenberg. Um, this was during a time where a famous saying uh, by Johann Tetzel, a Dominican monk and preacher that was uh, going around raising money to build the, the basilica in Rome, he would sing this little phrase, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Now, what this means is that uh, during the time of the uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th century, the church was growing uh, not only in number but in power, and that power came from political forces, of course, uh, but also economic sources. They would uh, they would get land. The the church, the uh, bishops, the uh, the priests, they they got land and money by telling people, hey, if you'll give money to the church, if you'll give money to uh, this Catholicism, system of Catholicism, uh, that uh, the more money you give, indulgences that you are, uh, that, that we're selling, uh, the closer your departed loved one gets out of purgatory and closer to heaven. And in fact, if you give money, it could be that your own sins are being taken away and you'll get out of purgatory uh, quickly when you when you pass from this life. Again, uh, Johann Tetzel would, uh, would say, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Now, because of this, a guy by the name of Martin Luther, and, and indulgence is what was not the only thing, but it was one of the major things that he protested that he rose up against. Martin Luther was a priest and professor at Wittenberg, and he began teaching during this time on the book of Romans. And in it, while teaching through the book of Romans, his heart changed, uh, especially uh, uh, towards 
his relationship with God. And here's what he says. He's quoted as saying this. My situation was that although an impeccable monk, meaning I tried to do everything I could to live by the letter of the law, I still stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience. He said, night and day, I pondered until I saw the connection between the just of God and the statement, the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. And the whole of scripture took on a new meaning. With this, Martin Luther shares how his heart was opened up to what it really meant to live by faith. When this took place for him, he became even more hostile towards a broken and wretched system of religion, this Catholic church that was building up their own kingdom and glory by uh, by trying to sell, uh, sell religious uh, acts. And so he opposed the sale of indulgences and promoted a new understanding of papal and scriptural authority that we, uh, that it is by sola scriptura, scripture alone, uh, that we get the truth of being saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and all this for the glory of God alone. So the the door of Wittenberg was kind of like this community bulletin board, if you've ever seen something like that. So he nails the 95 theses, 95 things that uh, that he stated. This is our belief and this is what must change. And because of that, uh, over the next few years, from 1517 to 1521, he debated many leaders and was actually ordered to retract his beliefs. And in 1521, he stood at the Diet of uh, at Worms and uh, was told by the leadership there, you must uh, renounce what you've said. And he replied, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Ultimately, Martin Luther was excommunicated, but this actually furthered his uh, ability to share the gospel. He translated much of the scriptures into the common German language. And we today owe a debt of gratitude to his work and the work of many other men and women that were faithful. I pray that we would be just as faithful, if not more, to reach the lost of our generation so that uh, the the glory of God might be seen in all nations. The gospel of Jesus shared so that people would be saved. Remember, evangelism is not complete until the evangelized become the evangelist. We need to make disciples. Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground. <laughs>